Hello and welcome to Humans of Agape, a new podcast by Agape Europe. We are a community of people who make Jesus known so lives are changed and Europe is transformed. We want to bring spiritual hope and help to people from all walks of life. I am your host, my name is Jochen Geck. I work in the student movement in Montpellier in the south of France, and I'm curious to hear about what God is doing across Europe. So this is what this podcast is all about. I interview people who are on staff with Agape and ask them about what God is doing in their lives and ministries. In today's episode, I get to talk to Joe Schlee. He's the Agape City Coordinator in Paris and leads Agape Art. We talk about a lot of things like the link between art, expression, vulnerability, and a Christian life, trust, food, and community, and being a little light. And now, lean back and enjoy. Hello, Joe. Hey, how are you? I am very well, and you? I'm uh, doing well. It's a sunny day in Paris, so that's uh, not always the case. So I'm very happy to, to be able to do this podcast and look out my window and see it's sunny. That's good. Yes. Yeah, same here in Montpellier, even though we're used to a lot more sun than you guys down at the Mediterranean. In the south of France, you have life good down there. It's always yes, sunny. Up here, we have to deal with a little more overcast, but that's okay. But uh, tell me, Joe, what is it you're doing with Agape in Paris? Oh, man, I'm doing lots of things, Perfect. lots of fun things with Agape in Paris. So if you want my role, I'm the coordinator of all of what Agape does in Paris, all of our different expressions. And I'm also helping lead the Agape art team, which is a group of artists at different levels working in the area of the arts. But I'm also a dad and a husband and a member of a local church, and friends of people in my neighborhood, and a lover of the city of Paris. So I have lots of things that I get to do in, uh, here in Paris. That sounds like a very full job description. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, let's talk about what you said you did with Agape maybe first. Okay. Because we're all about humans of Agape here. There you go. Let's start with Agape art. Yes. I mean, the name kind of says it. It has something to do with art. What does that look like? You would think a bunch of artists could come up with a more creative name, <laughs> but for some reason, we just that was the one that we chose, and we still kind of laugh about it a little bit. So we are a group of people who some are a very high level of art, professional artists. They earn a living off of their artwork. Others, like myself, are amateur artists and who have a passion for the arts, but, but our real desire is to somehow share and express the hope and love of Jesus in and through the arts and with artists and to the community through our artwork. So it's kind of an eclectic group of people. Actually, they come from different countries, from France, from America and other countries. We have different levels of art, different levels of engagement. Some of us, like myself, are full-time staff members with Agape and others do it as benevolent or uh, volunteers. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great team. I enjoy it. You said you're an amateur artist. Oh, gosh, that's even a little bit too much. What kind of an artist are you? Okay, so let's, we should go back and clarify. When I said I'm an amateur artist, that's not even right. I laugh even today thinking that I lead a team of artists. It's really my wife who's an artist who's inspired in the arts when, when we met. And so, of course, when we first met, I thought, oh, I should like the arts because, uh, you know, I want to I marry this woman. Um, <laughs> so, but I soon began to realize that as I discovered more about arts and the arts world, that I was intrigued And learned a lot. And obviously being in Paris too, it's such a great place to learn and to grow 
not only in the arts, but in many other things, history and politics and all those things, which I, I love a lot. So I do nothing in the arts, but I want to encourage and inspire people through the things that I learn, uh, the, through the things that I'm developing personally in my reflections and, and potentially contribute to that team. But also I want to encourage them to express fully their artwork and to figure out ways that we can work together and use it in creative ways to touch the city and, and bless the world. So I have to say I, I'm not an artist, but I'm really thrilled to be with this group of people. Okay. Thanks for the clarification. You're welcome. Not a problem. <laughs> so you're not an artist, but you're part of that group? Yes. How did that group come into existence? You know, some things happen uh, in our lives and we don't always expect them. So we, when those situations come to us, I think we can, we can have two approaches. One, we can say our hands are open and we say, okay, what should we do with this? Or we can say, nope, my hands are closed. I don't want anything to do with this. And in this case, literally, we would have people come to us and say, hey, we are artists and we would like to live out our art and our faith in a way that we could express our faith uh, together with other people. So at the time, uh, Agape in Paris, we did not have any group of people like this. And as me kind of leading some things here in Paris, I had to say, should we open ourselves up to this and try to develop it more or close and say, no, we don't have this, so we're not going to do it. And so I don't know, we just said, let's try it. So what was funny, uh, this was six years ago, pretty soon after that, there was a major event, a major gathering of Protestant Christians in Paris, people coming from all over France and all over the, really all over Europe to celebrate a gathering of Protestant Christians in Paris, and they wanted to have specific exhibits of artists. So we put in our contribution, our proposition to have a, an exhibit, and it ended up that we were in a space in this very center of Paris that would cost uh, 3,000 euros a night to be there. We had it completely free for three days, And we were able to draw together nine or ten artists to display their work. Hundreds of people, hundreds of people came to this weekend event, are part of it. And it kind of, that was the thing that launched our work together. And we decided there's a real need here and there's an opportunity to express our faith through the arts. So that's kind of the beginning, the genesis of Agape Art. Okay. What's something that you have learned through this process of journeying with Agape Art? Yeah, um, well, so many things. I've learned a lot about myself that I've had to learn to take risks sometimes. As someone who doesn't really know a lot or didn't know a lot at the beginning about the arts and the arts world, I had to kind of step out in faith and trust the people around me, those who knew more than me. I had to try to say, okay, I'm not sure whether this will work or whether this will fail, but let's try it. The worst, I suppose, that can happen is that someone will say no or it won't work and we'll have to try something else. I have been completely inspired by learning about the arts and the people and to seeing these artists really display their talents and their works, to see their courage. What I've learned is that for an artist, inherently, they have to be visible. They will, at some point in time, put their work out in the public, and that work will uh, receive both applause and will receive criticism. And in fact, the criticism is helpful because the criticism helps them to shape or to think or to do things a little bit differently to grow. You know, and no one likes criticism. Generally, people don't like criticism. But especially in the arts world, that's what they actually want. They want someone to critique their work, to say, you could do this better, you could change this. So I've learned from them. Try to receive criticism well 
even when it comes to my faith, you know, I have non-Christians who will tell me all the time things that they don't agree with me in terms of my faith or, or different approaches that we do as agape art. And instead of saying, no, that's not right, whatever, I need to try to say, okay, what can I learn from them and how can I grow? So those are a couple of things. I would say living in Paris in particular, but really anywhere in Europe, there is a natural way that the arts allow us to express our faith that does not put people off generally. I really want to get back to that last part, but I wanted to say that this is probably a very artistic approach too. When you say you had to learn to take risks, and I mean, one could argue that the worst art is art that doesn't take risks. Mm, mm. It was interesting in the mid 1800s, Paris had a particular way that they would display well-known arts, and they had certain criteria, and they would gather together every year in what they called the salon. And the salon, if to be accepted into the salon, you had to have follow a certain criteria. Well, at that time, there was a new movement called Impressionism that was developing. And Impressionism pushed against some of that criteria. Well, the leaders in that day said, no, 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 this is not the right way to do art. We are going to reject all of those who are Impressionists. Well, what did the Impressionists do? They said, well, we're going to create our own, what they called the salon of the rejected ones. Literally, that was the word that they used. The Salon des Rejected Ones, well, we know today that Impressionism art is probably the most beloved form of visual or fine arts in all the world. You can come to Paris and visit the Musée d'Orsay, and there are millions of people that will visit it every year just to see this kind of art. You know, Monet, Van Gogh, all of those great artists. Well, that formed through rejection that developed on the side. Now, we can think, oh, that's a really cool story, but if you consider who in terms of our faith, who is Jesus, and what do we understand about Jesus. Isaiah speaks clearly about Jesus who was rejected. We read and see the life of Jesus. He was rejected all over the place, all the way to the cross. So I get a lot of hope and encouragement to think that everything that's rejected is not necessarily a bad thing. And in fact, oftentimes God creates something new and beautiful out of that which is rejected. And then, of course, like you said, you can only be rejected if you expose yourself to criticism. Exactly. If you, you, you will never risk anything. You will never risk the opportunity to see what God can create and new things can happen if you always are sitting back and closed in on yourself. So maybe sometimes for all of us, and this is myself included, in whatever circumstances, it could be in my work, it could be in my life, my neighborhood, my, my faith, Whatever, maybe sometimes I need to take a step of faith, step out, take a risk, and see what God can create in that. And, I mean, isn't that what the heart of the Christian faith is? Well, if we consider that God did that same thing, left, Philippians tells us, right, that he left eternity to come and to live and to walk among us. God allowed, through Jesus, to be rejected then yeah, that's in so many ways the heart of who we are as Christians. We should never assume that everyone is going to agree with what we think and what we say. That's just not the case. And we should probably also never assume that the techniques we're using, we often use tools within Agape, that they're necessarily the right thing for the right situation. So we should be open to 
kind of benevolent criticism there too, without changing the heart of the message, of course. Of course, yes, yes. Uh, someone told me that none of our tools or methods or anything are eternal, but we should be willing to be open-handed with what are the new things that God seems to be bringing in, into our lives, into our midst. But I do agree, we need to be very careful. We're not throwing aside how we, God has revealed himself to us and how do we understand God and how God works. But uh, how we then express our faith to others, that can change and we can be very flexible. Yeah, let's talk about that expression of the faith. You just mentioned that art seemed to be a unique way to touch the city. Yes, it creates the opportunity for a lot of conversations that people do not necessarily just write you off right away. And in fact, many times that allows for further discussions afterwards. If someone criticizes or maybe even is offended or not even liking what you said, generally they're not going to then shut themselves off, but they will allow for other discussions. I mean, we've, we've had it multiple times where even we've had some of our exhibits in a church that people have walked in and not realized it was a church. Then they suddenly realize that it's a church. And at first they're a little put off. They go, I didn't know this was a church. And, but then it's not like they run away. They stay, they discuss, we're able to have great conversations. That happens quite a bit. Every exhibit we do has some kind of a theme. Sometimes those themes are very biblically related, sometimes they're not. It kind of depends on each, each time we do it. But we've seen that we can put up Bible verses, we can have paintings that are very clearly connected with the scriptures, others that are not, and oftentimes it will allow for engagement to happen. How many, I can't think of, you know, the number of our neighbors that have come to exhibits that we've done, some of them even in churches. But I know if I invited them to a worship service, they would not come. Hmm. So it's pretty cool to see that happen. Do you maybe have an example of one of your neighbors or somebody who came, somebody you had one of those uh, discussions with? Oh, sure, sure, sure. I, there's one particular good friend we've had for many years, and uh, that was the really the one of the first ways we were able to talk to him about our life in terms of our faith was saying we work with a group of artists and we're having an ex exhibit. We told him the address and he came. And, you know, that was many years ago. And he's a very good friend of mine and we continue to talk. And the interesting thing about him is he, he is really, his knowledge of the arts world, knowledge about a lot of things, politics and all that is very, very astute. And so he engages me in a lot of my thinking. He pushes my thinking. I'm a better person. I've grown a lot. And I hope that as well, he has grown in terms of understanding about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about your role as city coordinator. Right. Or the way you put it in the beginning, you're in charge of everything that happens with Agape in Paris. I don't know if I said that. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that at all because I don't want to be in charge of everything that happens in Paris. Part of my job as the coordinator is to help to try to give a common vision and common direction and helping us to work together through the various expressions of agape in Paris, learning how to together also work with uh, local churches, other associations. But we have about 10 different expressions of agape in Paris, artists, students, young professionals, musicians, sports, family life, those various expressions of agape in Paris. And each of them have their own group of leaders. And I've never wanted to take leadership away from them. In fact, I wanted to encourage them. You, God has given you talents and skills and passion. You need to push those things forward. What I did not want to see, though, that is everybody kind of worked in their own little corner and no one knew each other. No one understood what we were doing and how could we then 
uh, move forward. So that's kind of what I do. So we have regular vision nights where we come together and pray together and share what's going on in the city. And by the way, half of the people that are on those leadership are volunteers. So we have to figure out times where we can gather together with them when they are available as volunteers. So we do these gatherings and we do once a year a celebration evening. And then now we're in the midst of preparing for a, uh, about a two to three week more intensive time where the various activities that happen in all of these expressions come together at one period of time. So this year, the title of that kind of period in June is called, the title of that is called Dare to Shine, which is inspired from the Women's World Cup of Soccer or football, which will be taking place here in France for the first time ever. Their theme is also Dare to Shine. So we said, hey, that's a great theme for our kind of collective project that we're going to be doing in June, which was basically artists and musicians and other projects coming in together and happening uh, at the same period of time, but in a more visible way so that we can have a broader impact in the city. Okay. I noticed you used the term expressions and activities. What do you mean by expressions? Is that what other people would call ministries or what's the difference? I don't know what other people would say. Probably ministries, yes. What we've tried to avoid is agape whether we're in Paris or in uh, Montpellier in the south or in Germany or in Spain or wherever, we all share a common vision. That common vision is to make Jesus known. That's what drives us. That's what we want. We want to make Jesus known. For ourselves personally, we want to continue to grow, and then for others as well. But where you do it in the context you find yourself could be different. So again, making Jesus known with and among and through the arts might be different than through, with and among, through students or in sports and all of that. But we share the same vision. So the thought is, we don't have separate ministries, really. We're just expressing that idea of making Jesus known in different contexts, in different ways. And it looks sometimes a little bit different, but it's the same heart, it's the same passion. So I chose to use the word expression because I think it's a better uh, way of speaking about who we are together as agape and that we guard some kind of unity together. Okay, and so then in that Dare to Shine event project, every expression brings what they have, what they can give, how they express that idea of uh, making Jesus known, right? Yes, exactly. So that's kind of the idea. So as opposed to me coming along and saying, hey, let's develop this whole new project where I have to think of everything, or our group of people thinks of everything. We know there's lots of things going on in the city. Why not try to have those things going on all around the same time. We can all utilize the same communication, dare to shine. We can all think about what we're going to be doing in that time period called dare to shine. So there'll be a, there'll be a music concert. There'll be different artistic stuff. There'll be some student events happening, young professionals as well, potentially some work among families. And we'll be doing that often with local churches or local congregations because we want to do that in coordination with what's happening locally in the city. I've heard you use the image of the Paris metro system before, uh, talking about visibility of the church and maybe of Agape too in Paris. I just thought of that because I'm pretty sure with all these different activities, you're adding a lot of uh, visibility to, to what you're doing. Could you explain that picture to our listeners? Sure. I mean, you've been to Paris, I'm guessing, several times, and our listeners, many of whom have come to Paris, I'm guessing, the millions of people that will be coming to Paris. And that's one of the hallmarks of the city. 
you can get anywhere within the city walls really easily. Within 30 minutes, you can be across the city on the metro. And that anybody who lives in Paris themselves can be within three to five minute walk to any metro station in the city. It's really quite a phenomenal thing. If you pull out a metro map, even our listeners now could do that, pull out a metro map of Paris, you can see it's extensive, it's everywhere. It's, it's crazy what they've done. Well, from the very beginning, their desire was that any Parisian could have easy access to a metro station and get anywhere in the city very quickly. And so I thought, hey, that is what we are praying for as Agape, that, that as we want to make Jesus known, we want to make Jesus known everywhere. And so that everybody in the city has a chance to meet someone or meet a group of people, whether it be students or artists or others, who are themselves share that passion to make Jesus known together. So now the trick is, with the Paris metro system, it didn't happen in a year or two years. I think the first line, line one, they're very creative with that, line one, was first developed in, in over 115 years ago. And they're still today expanding it, developing it, moving it forward. So that vision, that idea of making Jesus known in the city, it doesn't happen like this. And it shouldn't be just simply, let's hand out a million flyers and then that's it. But it's going to be something that takes time. It's going to take effort and it's going to take a lot of collaboration together. But I think that's a really cool way to think about how we can make that happen. Now, one last thing I want to say with that is that the Paris metro system is exported elsewhere. I believe there are 12 other countries around the world that are run or have used or are inspired by the Paris metro system. And that for me is very inspiring as well. How could Paris be a blessing and be involved with all the world. So we're not just thinking about ourselves here in the city, but how we continually connect with God's global heart uh, for the nations. So that global heart for the nations, I'll ask you to be a blessing to others. Imagine one of our listeners being in one of Europe's capitals and asking themselves, here you have Joe talking so much about what he's doing in Paris. What can I do in my city? What advice would you give that person? Oh, well, there's a couple things that I would give right away. One, if you are a Christian, are you involved with a local church? And in what ways could you talk to your pastor about what are we doing to make Jesus known in our neighborhood, right where we are as a church, all over the city and around the world? And maybe that could be the first step and talking to them. Secondly, Agape is present in most of our cities around Europe. So maybe go onto the website, I think it's agapeeurope.org, and find out what's happening in my city. And maybe I could connect also my heart for what's going on through Agape. Not in disconnect with my church, but maybe along with it. Maybe Agape could work in partnership with my local church to, to develop it. The third I think we should consider is um, what talents and skills has God given me? Uh, maybe I am. Uh, I have a heart for the arts or, or other areas, or maybe in the area of sports or with students. Are there students that are a campus right next to where I live that could, I could begin to pray for and think about ways to connect with students? And I know that Agape student ministry all over Europe is really ready and willing to help out with anybody who wants to do that. There was a woman that really inspired me. She still does inspire me. Her name was Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie Lou Hamer was a civil rights activist in the United States in the 1950s and 60s. And she was famous for her singing. Now, she had a terrible voice. You can even go on YouTube and listen to her now. Her voice is not that great. But she sang this little song all the time, this little song which you might know 
called This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's a very simple song. Every time she would do a training for the civil rights movement, she would end her training singing that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And at first I thought, why is she doing that? What's, what's the point? Why is she so fixated on this song? And then I began to realize the message of that song is so powerful. She maybe felt like she, with her frail voice, or the people around her, with their maybe sense of, are we going to be able to do this, needed an inspiration. And they, they need an inspiration to say, I even have a little light. I love the song. It says, this little light, not this giant flashlight, not this huge beam light, but just a little light. I'm going to let it shine. So we may feel like I have a little light. Do I have anything to do or give? And that song and this woman says, yes, even with my little light. But there's a choice that we have to make to say, I'm going to make it shine. I'm going to let it shine. That's, that's the way she says, it. I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to cover it. I'm going to let it shine. And for me, that's what I draw a lot of inspiration. If you're listening and you're thinking, what can I do? Maybe the first prayer, first thought would just be just to simply say, what is the little light I have? And in what ways can I make that light shine in my neighborhood, with my neighbors, in my building, among students, in the gifts that God's given me through the local church that I have, or maybe my agape ministry in my city? Hmm. I'm, I'm deeply moved by that because sometimes... You can ask yourself, what do I have to give? I live in a big city or a smaller city, and I'm just this one person. But being that little light that shines, I think we can, we can make a difference with the Spirit of God who strengthens us. I do, I do. I mean, if we're living in Lisbon or we're living in Barcelona, Rome or Berlin or even Montpellier, it's pretty overwhelming. I get overwhelmed a lot of times, and that's probably a good thing. Because that, that overwhelming feeling reminds us that we really, in ourselves, are small. <laughs> and we cannot do much by ourselves. Well, first of all, we need to depend on the Lord. But secondly, we need to find other people who are also wanting to shine their little lights. And as those lights come together, they grow and they, they shine even more so. Now, the last thing is, I mean, before we have this great grand vision for Paris... Do I even know my neighbors across the hall from me in my building? Or is there something that's going on in my neighborhood where I live? Now, I'm not an expert on all those things, and I know for sure sometimes I forget all of that. But I want to remind myself, I, I could think about this great grand vision for the city of Paris, but if I don't even know my neighbor across the hall, uh, then what's the point? Hmm. What's the point? And so I think... It helps me to kind of keep grounded and say, no, okay, my little light, maybe it's just going to shine here in this building, but that's a pretty cool thing already. Yeah. Talking about that neighbor across the street, Joe, I know you've been living in France for 15 years now. Correct. Yep. And so you've had plenty of neighbors. Mm -hmm. You have been watching French culture. You have tried and succeeded in becoming a part of it. What in French culture points you to Jesus? If... <laughs> If French culture is the closest to God that you can get, then there's a lot of things, right? <laughs> well, I'm an American, so I have had to take time and wanted to take time to really learn about French culture. One time, I remember that we were going to have a meeting, and someone said, we should have the meeting on a couch. And another person said to me, no, let's, let's have the meeting around a table. 
I think it was a French person that said that. Let's have it on a table. And I thought, why around a table? And then I began to realize that for French people, in general, the table is a really important time. Meals are a really important time. They connect a lot more around meals. You know, we don't just take 15 minutes to eat a meal and move on. Uh, but the food, the table, the time, a good meal is really an important time. And that's where you connect. You don't just push it aside. You do that table time. We just had our national conference, right? And mm -hmm. in our national staff conference, Agape France, that's not a half hour endeavor, this meal time. It's generally a longer time and there's a lot of elements to that meal. And I, I began to think the table, that's a really interesting thing because doesn't Jesus somewhere say to us in I think Revelation where he says, I stand at the door and I knock and whoever opens the door, I will come and I will eat with them. In other words, literally, I'm going to be at the table with them. I'm going to spend this most important time with them around the table. What was that incredible moment where Jesus is serving his disciples? It's around the table where they're sharing the bread and the wine. So I think one is I've learned that that table is not something we just want to push aside, that, that God does not simply want us to do things for God. Jesus wants to build this relationship with us and that he invites us to come into that relationship with him. And so uh, taking that time to sit at the table with Jesus, to hear from Jesus, to talk to Jesus, to pray, to be in Jesus, God's word, uh, to allow the spirit to communicate to us through the word, those are essential parts of our lives as Christians. And I learned that in France. You know, speaking of the table, what are the two non-negotiables Practically, besides cheese, yeah, I don't see a I lot saying, of cheese. I was going to say cheese. Yeah. Oh man, you know, that <laughs> blows my whole. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of cheese in the Bible, but bread and the wine. And so you know, every meal has bread. Many meals have wine, and it's a non-negotiable. And there again, we have this idea of God inviting us to God's table, where we eat the bread, we drink the wine, we remember. And his presence with us through that bread and through that wine. Um, those are things that are essential for French culture and French life. And they remind me of the essentials that we have as Christians. Jesus gave of his body for us. He spilled his blood for us. He promises his presence with us in those meals of bread and wine. And so, yeah, I think that that's a, an essential part of our lives as Christians. Uh, it's not just a side part. It's an essential part of our lives. Are we communing at the table at church? Do we take the time to go on Sunday mornings and have that moment where we receive God's body and blood and we are understand again the forgiveness we have, the eternal life that we have in Jesus? So those are essentials. They're not just side things that, that happen to be a part of our Christian lives. Amen. I like that. That's beautiful. And me living in France, of course... I know, too, how really relationships are created around a table. And I like how you remind us how that happens at God's table, too. Yeah, yeah. So there are so many things we could talk about. I'm really sorry we don't have the time for all of that. Yeah. But I have one last question for you. Sure. If you could leave our listeners with one message, what would that be? I think I want to just say to our listeners that we've been given a great gift of life and faith in Jesus Christ. 
and it's a gift that he gives to us, and then we receive it by faith with our hands open. And there's a passage that I'm so touched by all the time in Isaiah chapter 9, where Isaiah says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And of course, we refer to that passage when we think about the Advent season and Jesus' coming and his birth. But I think the same thing is for us today as Christians. We're called to live that light out, to let our light shine. What does Jesus say? A city on a hill does not cover its light. I'm sure I'm mixing up something there in, in Matthew 5. But the, let, our lights, let our lights shine. And that's the inspiration that I've received from people like Fannie Lou Hamer and others. And that's what I want to leave with others. How can we let our lights shine? What choices today, what prayers today, what steps of faith, what risks even will allow for the light to shine in a place that needs it so much? Wonderful people that I get to meet and spend time with every day. Many of them have no idea what that light of Jesus is, and so I want to be able to shine it. You know, even as I say that, sometimes I'm going to say, but am I really a good light? Sometimes I'm not always such a good light. And that is true. But I think the idea of receiving God's forgiveness, understanding that I'm not perfect, but there's a little light that God's given to me, and I want to let that shine to others. So, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Joe, for everything you shared with us. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a great joy to be here, and yes. uh, God's blessings to you and to all of our listeners. Goodbye. That was Joe Schlee. He's the Agape City Coordinator in Paris and leads Agape Art. Find Agape Europe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website, agapeeurope.org. I'm Jochen Geck, and this is Humans of Agape. See you next time.